This podcast is brought to you by PodPro Australia. I'll, I'll, I'll use a phrase that my listeners have, have heard before, but is everyone, through your eyes, a potential brother and sister? I don't understand what that means. Well, a brother and sister could be family, but if you actually saw yourself as part of the human family, mm-hmm. then is everyone your brother and sister? Oh no, I like six foot tall, blue eyes, white skinned <laughs> man. So no, he can't be my husband. Sorry, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Minus the blue eyes, the, the white skin the, the, and the, the, the six foot tall. This is the boldest answer <laughs> that I've ever had to a philosophical question. <laughs> Minus them, yes, everyone's my brothers and sisters. Yeah, minus them. <laughs> That's the boldness I'm talking about, dear people. That's the boldness. You can be gone tomorrow. Losing my brother two years ago, when he was very close to me, he was my greatest cheerer. And he he said to me, Rena, you never know what's next in your life. So you make a decision. And do it now because you have the opportunity. You yeah. can go tomorrow like this. Yeah. You don't know what's happening tomorrow. So whatever you want to do, do it now. Yeah. Because people save the best of their life thinking that I'll do it after I retire. I'll do it, use this after I, for an occasion. No, the occasion is now. You wear the best clothes now. Are you happy with yourself? Are you happy with how you look? How are you happy with what you eat and put it in your body? Are you happy because you remember everybody else is going to leave you, but your body is going to stay with you for 80, 90, 100 years? Yeah. Are you feeding it the right thing? Yeah. Not only food, thoughts. Yeah. Are you feeding the right thoughts? You know, yeah. that is love. People need people. We are designed to be with someone. Partner, kids, parents, you are not meant to live alone in this world. Dear ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you have yet joined us in another episode of A Journey with Bernie. And I'm so appreciative. I'm appreciative for so many things. It's so exciting to see our growth. Are you aware that the podcast is is growing exponentially? More than 50 countries all around the world. And yes, you've been watching us on YouTube. I mean, you've got to understand for this 60 plus year old fella over here to be entering into these social media dimensions is, is not part of my world, but I'm starting to learn so much about its power. And you, our listeners out there, you are, you, you are, you are joining that world and taking this beautiful message that a journey with Bernie represents on how to become a more loving human being, a happier one at that, and bringing more meaning to our lives. You are taking that message. You're pressing the fellowship button. You're pressing the subscriber button. And thank you for your shares and spreading the message to your friends and family. Um, We're just so, so grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Geez, I'll tell you what, you're not going to be disappointed with this episode. I know I say that all the time. But there's a beautiful human being sitting opposite me today. You know, occasionally you come across someone and you just feel as if they've been blessed. Blessed with what? Blessed with innate joy. Blessed with an awareness of the possibilities of life. And yet her journey is a humble one. Her journey is going to take us back to whereabouts, Rena? <laughs> whereabouts in southern India are we going to be touching? Um, I grew up in the western part of India. The western part yes, of India? I am from south India, Chennai. Okay. But I was brought up in the western part of India, a state called Gujarat and a small city called Bharuch. Paruch. That's when right. you say a small city in, in India terms, yeah. 
What population are we talking about is small? Probably millions. Uh, millions, <laughs> correct. Absolutely, yeah. The whole of Australia's population in that one city. Yeah. <laughs> and yet you're, you're hearing the voice now. And yet this beautiful lady from India is having such a strong presence here in Australia. She has won many multiple awards. I'm turning over to you now, Rena. Just give us a taste of these awards that you have won because when we hear them, we're going to already start to develop a picture as to who you are and what you do in this beautiful country called Australia. Thank you, Bernie. Um, uh, the award that uh, is very close to my heart is the one that I won in 2016, Women in Business Award 2016, Young Community Achiever in Queensland. Yeah. And that was a huge uh, uh, win for me. And I must say the reason, because there were so many prominent, amazing people standing, <laughs> competing with me. I wouldn't say competing, but they. And I was the one to win it. And I felt that Australia gives equal opportunity <laughs> to every single person, no matter what. If you're a migrant, doesn't matter. I'm a migrant. And yeah. I, I, among all the uh, Australians over there uh, present, I won it. And, and that's when I realized that Australia is my home. Well, yeah, but folks, are you hearing the energy? I told you about the energy. I told you about the life force, dear people. You just heard it. <laughs> Forget what she's saying. Just hear the spirit. <laughs> you won it in 2016. Once again, please, what exactly was the award? Women in Business Award 2016 Young Community Achiever. In here in Queensland. In Queensland. Was that then part of a national competition? Were you the Queensland representative then versus the New South Wales and the Victorian? No, State. No, no. In, it was a state award, okay. But when did you arrive into Australia? Um, I still remember the day, Bernie. 31st of December, 2009, morning 10.30 with 38 degrees. Here I am thinking I'm going to a foreign land where there's going to be snow because I wanted to be in a country where there's snow. And I land on 31st December and here it is, 38 degrees. And I'm like, hello, where, where's the snow here? Uh, not realizing the weather Nothing about the city. I just land thinking that I'm going to enter the snow. Into Brisbane International Brisbane Airport. Brisbane International Airport. And you're looking around all the all the television monitors and they've got the cricket on? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a test for you. Who was playing in the cricket when you arrived? Australia versus? India. India. Wow. wow. Yeah. So, yeah, no. Um, so, yeah. So, I landed and, um, and here we are. So... But only seven years later, you're winning this state award for a, a Queensland businesswoman of the year. What did you do in seven years that enabled you to win that award? For, did you arrive with family? No. I came here as a student. I studied automotive mechanics. So I'm a qualified motor mechanic, worked with Mitsubishi changing brake pads. I used to have the longest hair you can imagine. My long hair, I had to put it in a bun, wear my overalls, brake pads, you name it, I did it. If you're listening to this and you go to YouTube, you're looking at Miss India. Now you've got to imagine her as an automotive mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, student visa. So I came here on a student visa. And, and a student visa allowed you to enter the country for how long? Two years. Two years. Two years. So you're coming here to study, but right now you are a national – you've stayed. I stayed. I stayed. I stayed because the day I landed, I felt home, Bernie. I've never felt this way ever in my entire lifetime. I, I felt belonged. I felt people appreciate the way I am. I do not have to pretend. I do not have to change myself. I have to be Rena Augustine. That's it. But what did you experience in this country and in this people, in our people, the Australian people, that enabled you to feel that way? I think equality. Everybody appreciates who you are. The one thing that I tell every single person is, hey, you are in a different country. You do not wait and wait for the Australians and come and talk to you. You go and tell you tell them who you are, yeah. what your culture is, what your whole idea of, of uh, your life is. Because if they understand you, there's no racism. I, I, I understand that. Now, I'm going to say something a little bit bold here, okay? 
if I catch a taxi, so many of the taxi drivers are of a Southeast Asian origin. And I love it because I can sit in the passenger seat and have these most amazing conversations. I'm going to add in the Middle East there as well, because I just remember some of the conversations as to how they came into Australia. Now, when I speak to them, they won't, they won't advocate the same degree of acceptance. And indeed, what I hear is many of them staying with their, their people in Australia in a, a, a suburb of Brisbane that they accumulate and making it up now, Sunnybank or Acacia Ridge, etc. Yet you're feeling, no, I don't have to go to a suburb to meet all my fellow Indian comrades. You feel fully accepted. So I want you to get personal now. Yeah. What was it about Rena that attracted this acceptance? I think it's the my upbringing because uh, I lost my father when I was very little and uh, we had no choice and my mum was a housewife. So yeah. in India and out we like we were seven. I'm the sixth of the seven kids. Right, okay. And no choice. I had to work from the age of 12, 13, teaching English to the students. Taking, Why did you have to work? Uh because we, we because my mum was a housewife and we all had to uh, like earn for us contribute. Yes. So how many of the children are out working before they are eighteen years of age? Um, I, for now, when I think of it, in my school, it was only me. Okay. It was only me because of because the school that I studied was a Catholic convent school where only. Uh, people from good family, like when I say good family, who can afford to study in that school, yeah. uh, uh, because my father was a wealthy man when we, he was alive, we were able to study in that school, you see. So everybody over there were like, good family, good parents, you got the money. But then here I am, have to work like after school, we used to take tuitions at home, teaching students pre-primary, primary school, nursery. And that's how I grew up. So not having a backbone, like a, somebody to fall back on, it the life taught you that gotcha. you, you had to stand up for yourself. Yeah. You had to work. You had to take your own decision because there's no one to give you, an, give you advice. This taught a great deal of independence. So you're, you're taking on responsibilities at a very young age on behalf of the family and it's that independence and that backbone and that fortitude that you bring to Australia. Like you come out here by yourself for two years study. I get that. But then you take on a position in which you're staying in this country. You've never, I'm sure you've gone back to India to yeah. visit the family, but now your, your, your independence has you here as a permanent residence. What about the joy that you bring to all that you do? It's not only your fortitude, go out and create stuff, but you bring so much joy and so much life energy to it. Where does that come from? You know, Bernie, it's really funny. My mum growing up used to tell us that whatever you touch will turn into gold. I used to like run around, touch stuff, thinking it's going to turn into gold, not realising that my mum said that, Rena, you have the power of doing anything and everything as long as you don't hurt anyone. Wow. And yeah. when, when I realized that power that, hey, you just have to be consistent, persistent in order for you to take on a project and get it done. Yeah. So anything I touch, I make sure that I get it done. And, you know, that confidence in myself, if a project is given to me, I can confidently say that I can do it. Even if I don't know, I learn it. And I think that built in my brain thinking that, oh, my mom told me that whatever I touch, it's going to turn into gold. So I tried everything, acting, modeling, fashion, organizing events, thinking that, okay, whatever I touch, it's going to turn into gold. And I think uh, I didn't do a bad job. You do, you do a very, very good <laughs> job. If I use the word bold... I think you're bold. <laughs> Not bold as in naughty, but bold as in courageous. You're, others would think about whether they can or they can't. You have a boldness to say, I don't know whether I've got the skill or the ability, bugger it, I'm going to do it anyway. Where do you get that from? 
my father. Uh-huh. My father, he was an amazing human being. He tried everything. He was in Air Force. He was the stunt man for Bollywood actors. I'll get out of it. And uh, he he tried. He was a double degree civil and mechanical engineer. Yeah. So he designed uh, lots of things in India. He is the, he was the guy who actually designed eye um, um, uh, medical something to repair the eye uh, okay. problem. And he donated it. He never patented it, nothing. And it's run all over in Gujarat and all the medical institute use it. Only we know it yeah. because my father donated it yeah. and he did it. He was a very smart man. Yeah. And my father said to us that, you know, whatever you do, remember that you leave a legacy because every day we are moving towards our grave. Yeah. So if you want to leave a legacy... You have to make a difference in people's yeah. lives. Yeah. You know, Bernie, my fa- every Christmas, we went to old age homes. Okay. So Christmas for me was old age homes. When I came to Australia, my first Christmas, I was like, why is not, why is, why are people not going to old age homes? <laughs> um, and Charlene, this lady told me, Rina, what, what are you talking about? I said, we grew up every Christmas. Mom used to bake cakes. We go to the church in the midnight, sleep, afternoon Christmas day. We went to old age homes because in India, the old age homes in Gujarat, lots of old people were there and they were waiting for somebody to come and talk to them. Yeah, yeah. People need people. We are designed to be with someone. Partner, kids, parents, you are not meant to live alone in this world. Well, how the heck are you, beautiful people? It's Chip Huddy here, and can you feel it? Can you sense it? Can you smell it? It's time for the first of today's loaded questions. And let's dwell on what Rena just said. We are not meant to live alone in this world. And yet we humans tend toward energy conservation. And here's a fact, guys. Other people take effort. And it makes me wonder, how do we resist that instinct toward energy conservation and actually make the space and time to connect with and to celebrate other people. So you take Bernie, for example. Now, Bernie has a vision board, which is shocking. I know that Bernie has a vision board. But on Bernie's vision board, he's actually got a weekly goal of entertaining a small gathering of people at his luxurious Riverside Apartments. There's this mini party once a week. He cooks the food, he buys the drinks. He creates the space for people to meet and greet and be convivial. Now, I was at one of these uh, little soirees once, and I asked Bernie, I said, you know, what's the rationale behind these things, mate? What are you, what are you, what are you striving for here? And he says to me, Chipster, how could I say I'm adopting love as a lifestyle if I don't express it through genuine love of people. Okay, so now that got me thinking, how can I do something like that? Okay, how could I bring people together, celebrate people, live love as a lifestyle, and in a way that's authentic to me? Because I give you the hot tip, I probably wouldn't be cooking for people. That's not a chip thing. You wouldn't want me cooking for people. I think there's something in the Geneva Convention against that. But there are so many other things I could do. So what about you? How could you carve out time and space for yourself and for others to come together and to celebrate people, to really live love as a lifestyle. What does that look like for you? And that's when I realized that, oh my God, she is lonely. Yeah. I think for you, and you're going to have the right to correct me here now, I think for you, your view of people needs people isn't just with people that we know. Don't let me put words in your mouth. I think you see opportunity to connect with all people. Absolutely. And I come to Australia and the first thing that I look for is where are the old age homes? I went to Redland Bay. Yeah. Spent time over there. I'm shopping center. All the elders are my friends and family. And there are people whom in this journey, I used to go to sit in Wesley Hospital uh, in the palliative care, spend time with them. This is what my journey has been in Australia because people need someone to talk to. What do you like with strangers? 
very friendly. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's, it's tough because you do it automatically. You do it unconsciously. But just try to give us a little bit of a glimpse, please. When you meet strangers, and we know that this will be different for different people. You, you, you can feel different people. But when you meet people, h- how do you tend to enact with them? How do you, how do you tend to connect with them? Do, do you, have you got a little something, a little secret that you do? Uh, no. Fascinating. Okay, I have to tell you something what happened. So I come to Australia. The first thing that I ask people is, oh, where are you from? What religion are you? Oh, my God. I didn't know that was a no-no because in India, the first thing that we ask, so uh, because by looking at people in India, you know where they are from. Yeah. But the religion, so which religion are you? That an, that's an automatic question we asked yeah. growing up. And here I am blabbering away. Oh, so what religion are you? And my friend Charlene's like, Rina, you never asked that. I said, why? Because people don't want to answer that because there are atheists. Yeah. I didn't know what atheist is, so I had to learn what an atheist is. So, Bernie, to answer your question, I'm fascinated to know that person's journey, where they are from, yeah. and why are they like this right yeah. now? See, the way you look, the way you talk, and the way your energy flows is from the journey of your life that you have went through. Yeah. I am very fascinated to know what has what have you gone through and why are you this way? So, yeah. I think that attracts that uh, that attracts me I'll, I'll, I'll use a phrase that my listeners have, have heard before but is everyone through your eyes a potential brother and sister I don't understand what that means well a brother and sister could be family but if you actually saw yourself as part of the human family mm-hmm. then is everyone your brother and sister Oh, no, I like six foot tall, blue eyes, white skinned man. So, no, he can't be my husband. Sorry, my brother. <laughs> Minus the blue eyes, the, the white the, skin, the, and the, the, the six foot tall. This is the boldest answer that I've ever had to a philosophical question. <laughs> No, the, uh, minus them, yes, everyone's my brothers and sisters. <laughs> <Yeah>, minus them. <laughs> That's the boldness I'm talking about, dear people. That's the boldness. Australian and New Zealand, the better. Yeah, yeah. Wow, oh. wow, wow, wow. So, Rena, not realising that this podcast is a dating agency, you did have an order before. Everyone's your brother and your sister except for something about blue eyes. What was it again? <laughs> Bernie, you must always be clear uh, of your in- intentions and what you need from the universe. Yeah. So, I, yeah, you have to be clear. So, six foot, blue eyes, uh, Caucasian white skin, <laughs> oh, st- Australian, New Zealander. <laughs> Mm, that's it. You are you are abusing this podcast. <laughs> We're supposed to be loving everyone. <laughs> no, because I get attracted to You are them. beautiful. Just beautiful. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> now now tell me this um uh, this this migration work that, yes. that that you do with such um a beautiful loving purpose. Um you do it with such great meaning, but it's not the only work that you do. What else do you get your fingers involved in? So the organization that I started was Red Carpet Fashion Show. So in that organization, I give uh, opportunity and platform for people who are from different uh, backgrounds. Musicians, singers, makeup artists, hairstylists, designers, you name it, from the art industry. Because remember, everyone has talent, but everyone doesn't know how to market themselves. So you must must be a wonderful designer, but if you cannot market yourself, how can you promote your designs? Yeah. So that's where I think I do a very good job yeah. by giving them and bringing them together in my show called the Red Carpet Multicultural Fashion Show, where I put on every year and give them the opportunity to showcase in front of the audience that I invite. Uh, as you know, that I network a lot in this country and I meet so many people and I invite all the business people, the government people, everyone comes to my show And that's when they get recognized and they get the opportunity from there. Uh, I have people who have opened their own uh, designer shops after entering my shows. Uh, A lady who designs uh, millinery and she does her own shows now. So they all started with Red Carpet Fashion Show with me. This show, this is a, a, a profiteering, a profitable 
show? No. This is part of your business? No, it's not. It's a... Uh, uh, people who uh, part are the volunteers in there. Yeah. It's a it's kind of a charity. I don't make any money in here. It's a cr- it's creating opportunities for people because I understand that for actors, models, designers, the industry is not easy. Yeah. The competition is so high, and we all have different nature. Yeah. We everyone's not an extrovert like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Where do the introverts go? Yeah. That's where they, the you know red carpet gives them the opportunity. Dear people, this is not an interruption to the podcast. It is a beautiful invitation for you to join a journey with Bernie, April two thousand and twenty-four in Nepal to experience Kathmandu, Kagandra Vocational School for five hundred and fifty disabled children, and of course the enormous, the magnificent Himalayas. The spirit of Nepal will invade your soul, the peace and the calm of the people. It's not something you can just get anywhere. You will learn so much from your experiences around Kathmandu. And of course, that mighty adventure, that wonderful, glorious trek to the magnificent Himalayas where you will have a first-hand encounter with Sagamatha, Mother Goddess herself, Mount Everest. Dear people, this is unforgettable. This is an experience that will invade every fibre of your body. It is not possible to return as the same person that left. Plus 61-412-982-444. Text me, dear people. Text me on that number and I will have an information kit to you. Your private invitation to join us in April 2024. Nepal is calling you. And and because I do this volunteeringly and I do this as a charity, I carried the Queen's baton come the Commonwealth Games in uh, twenty eighteen. This is another reward. That's this right, someone yes. saw that you did this and said you would be an appropriate person to, to to do that during the Commonwealth Games. And I tell that very proudly because um, Bernie, this is another example that how Australia recognized a migrant. I'm yeah. a migrant. <laughs> I have been treated as an, as an equal here, as yeah. an Australian born and brought up here. I, I hear your gratitude. Where I get really intrigued is, is about what you do to attract that. Like someone who's in charge of designating the Queen's baton comes to grips with who you are, sees what you do, sees the joy and the value and says, you deserve this. I'm more interested in in that fabric of you that enables you to attract such connection with people, you know, the, the, the joy. Are you an influencer? Uh, by default. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought it that way, but... It worked out, and yeah. uh, and I think I got recognized as the Indian Australian Award 2018 Young Community Achiever. That's a different reward than that's the one a, you mentioned before. That was right. Businesswoman of the Year. Yes. So what's this award again? So it's an Indian Australian Award Young Community Achiever 2018. You know, that award is very close to my heart. The reason, it's the Indian community recognizing their own people yeah. and giving them the award. Yeah. In a different country. For the way you bring people from two countries together it, and it's create amazing. community. And that's where I think that, yeah. wow, equality. People yeah. are recognizing if you do good, good happens. Right. Now, now, see, now I just think you mentioned a word that differentiates you. You see equality in all people. You see Regardless of skin color, regardless of culture, you see the opportunity to learn through and with other people. You see the opportunity to connect. Is this correct? Am am I reading you rightly? Yes, yes. The reason. Uh, Growing up, I grew up in a western part of India. uh, You know, I'm the duck. You see me? I'm a duck girl, brown girl. And this means? Uh, this means that uh, there was always bullying because I am—I was dark in my class. I was different. And 
And this is because in India, India. they have a stigma around skin colour. That's right. Elaborate a little bit more on that. So there were advertisements where you saw that, you know, if you put this cream on your face, you'll become white. And I used to tell my mom, oh my God, you know, people pick on me. They used to call me black devil. Wow. Uh, Yeah. And and for a seven-year-old, six-year-old, it's such a, it's like, why are they calling me black devil? You know, it's so sad. And my mom was amazing. She used to tell me, hey, you know, Lord Krishna, the Hindu God, we are Catholics. But yeah, she explained it to me. He was dark and, you know, people (laughs) worship. And there was this another lady, Kali Mata. And they used to call me Kali Mata. Kali Mata is goddess, a big, very famous goddess. And she was a dangerous, like, you know, she was like powerful. And my mom used to say, see, you are a goddess. The next day I went to school and I'm like, hey, I'm a goddess, guys, you know, my, my, but it never went away. And I used to tell my mom, I want to be white. So my mom used to say, drink milk, you know, it's good for you. My bones are very strong now, but yeah, no, I didn't change my color. And then. But she told you to drink milk because she's, she's. She, yeah, to, so that I can become white. Um, and then the next day, next was like the chickpea flower and turmeric. I used to put that and I used to look in the mirror and the next day, oh, did I become white? And you know what, uh, Bernie? I come to Australia, standing in the shopping center, people walking and looking at my skin and saying, wow, you've got such beautiful skin. Not appreciating, thinking, I was thinking, are they mocking me too? Because yeah. that's how I grew up, right? Yeah. Oh my God, are they mocking me too? And my 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 manager, Charlene said, Rena, we pay huge amount of money to get your color, girl. <laughs> we go to the tanning studios. And I'm like, what? And I still remember calling my mom and say, mom, people want to get dark here. What is wrong with people? And I started appreciating my color and I started wearing colors in my life. Yeah. And when I, yeah. I, I, I carry it with confidence now. That's my yeah. confidence. And the chickpea and flour and the turmeric oh, was probably yeah. the greatest moisturizer. For Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. that and, and when I found out that Australia accepts the way you are, I'm like, hello, thank you very much for make, uh, considering me as your own, which I never felt back home, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have never, ever felt racism in Australia ever, Bernie. That's amazing. So, because you need to talk. You open your mouth and you talk and educate yourself. You are a person who has come to this country and it, tell mm. about you, where who you are. So when people like the, in, in the shopping center, the cleaners, trolley pushers who are from different cultures, they shy away. They know English, but they shy away. They don't have the confidence. That's where the problem arises. Yeah. So you learn the culture of the country you go to. Yeah. You do not wait for them to learn, you know, for them yeah. to ask questions and all. You educate, you tell. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, you give permission. You, you invite them yeah. to like and enjoy and connect with you. Yes, yeah, and yeah, yeah. That, that helps the other person to understand the culture. There will be no racism yeah. at all because yeah. that person will be like, oh, they are actually educating us and, and you know, you well, embrace each other. Well, you're also helping them to understand you as a human being and to, and, and, and to embrace you as a person by announcing who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, I, um, I, I, I watch you and, and the joy of life, but you also have mentioned a few times in this podcast your background of Catholicism. Um, let's just say you're in your early 30s there or thereabouts. <laughs> um, do you still go to Mass on Sunday? I go to Mass on Sunday no matter which country I am in. I oh. travel a lot. I travel around the world. And uh, uh, to mention that uh, I chose Australia as my home, thank you so much, Lord, because no matter where I go, I love coming home, you know, yeah. Australia's home. Yeah. There's no other country like Australia. You'd be the youngest one at church, but... That's right. Everybody's above 60 and I'm like, it's happening. Where are the youngsters, you know? Um, I love it. What, what do you love about it? I love that people are still believing. Yeah. You know, we all have to believe and hope for something in this world. That's how yeah. you live the life. If yeah. you do not have something to look forward to, hope for, some big being is looking after you, 
Uh, and I must say, uh, Bernie, I'm a blessed child because my parents are in heaven and they bless me every day and they are with me. Do you believe that? I do believe that. How does that feel? Like, like when you say they bless you, like what, uh, what form of shape does that take? I stand on this dais in 2018 winning the Women in Indian Australian Award and the speech that I gave, I've never, ever even thought in my mind or life about it. And it was about what my father used to preach. My words came out as my father. <laughs> and I said that, you know, we all leave a legacy. We all are moving towards our grave. So do something about it, you know. Yeah. I, and my father, growing up, he used to talk to us about it. And the speech just automatically came out. I never prepared. We were never told to prepare. And that made me realize my father's blessings, you know. I still have a photograph of this heavenly light on me. You're, you're saying your spirit of your dad virtually spoke through you. Absolutely. Yeah. I believe that they are around. They bless me. Any trouble, I travel alone on my own everywhere. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's not easy for a young girl to go yeah. around. And I and I think their blessings have uh, always saved me. Yeah. What what do you what do you get out of your faith relationship with God, the higher being? You go to a Catholic church. There's God and there's Jesus. There's Mary and Joseph. You know, there's all the angels. You know, we know about the Catholic framework. But what do you actually receive from that faith relationship? Um, the same thing that people who are spiritual and do not believe in gods and all they are yeah. spiritual. They get out of it. So when they say universal, I say, Jesus, God, Mother Mary, they are blessing me. If I have to talk to, I talk to Jesus. I talk to Mother Mary and I ask the power. And the and if I can do it, show me a sign. And yeah. I get the sign. So that's how I talk. Others, other spiritual people talk to the universe, talk to the energy. Yeah. And my energy is Jesus, God. Yeah, but you're almost saying... You're, you're almost suggesting it could be the same source, whether it be the universe, whether it be Allah, Correct. whether it be Jesus. Or Krishna. Yeah, doesn't really matter to you. You've just made a choice through that beautiful foundation that you had with Sister Angela yes. and that lovely little primary school oh. that you attended um, to continue your faith relationship through Jesus and God. Yeah, and I still, I still do. It's powerful, isn't it? It is very powerful. Irina, this is beautiful. What you're saying is illuminating. I'm, I'm just going to second guess a few things here. I just reckon there'd be a whole host of people out there who can scarcely believe that someone is so joyous all the time. Do you ever have <laughs> do you ever have people who doubt the credibility or the integrity of your joy? All the time. All the time. Only the close friends and family know that this is me. Otherwise, I have been in this journey where people are waiting for me to be serious. And I'm like, oh, this is me serious. They ask me, are you, is this like, when are you you? Uh, when do you stop pretending? So Bernie. Pretending? What, yeah, do, you, what do you mean? That's exactly. I'm like, this is me. So my question to you, Bernie, is. is <laughs> hey, this, it's my podcast. <laughs> is, is this, isn't this should be normal? A human being should be happy and joyous. Isn't this should be normal rather than being serious you know, not being joyous, uh, not being full of life. Like being full of life is considered like a one-off. No, it shouldn't be that way. Here's my guess. It's a great question, but we're now playing and interpreting. Mm -hmm. But here's my guess. From what you've shared in this discussion so far, I've got this picture of a, your home. I've got mum and dad that are feeding the joy of life to you. They even had the fortitude then to 
sacrifice and make sure you got that beautiful Carmelite education. You've got a wonderful person like Sister Angela who's also seeing value in you. You're feeling beautifully supported. People are making you believe in who you are. Therefore, growing up as a child, I'm imagining that you didn't have a lot of seeds of doubt and negativity distracting you. So who does this leave you as a child to be? It leaves you to be the innate, beautiful, joyful, partly environmentally created, partly genetic human being. This is you as a child. And so why wouldn't that being who's experiencing life like that up to the first 14 years of their life, why wouldn't you carry that forward into your young adult life as you are now? Why would you leave your essence behind? But I think you recognize and you have, I don't like the word stumbled across. You recognize a pathway and activity and actions that allow you to wake up most days. I'm sure you have off days. We all do, yes. Yeah, welcome to humanity. But you know the power of joy, that it's founded in your belief and your faith. I have a feeling you still feed that. You know, you, you still go to Mass on Sunday as the youngest person that enters the church. Uh-huh. Isn't that sad? Um, no, because I think you partly answered it before, because young people can still get the same, same faith and belief that they are loved, but it may not be through the Catholic framework it. Uh, yeah, anymore. Love they too. get it through the universe. But when they say the universe, all they're saying is, I do believe that there's something greater than myself. I think one of the interesting thing is, do they actually see that energy as a source of love? I am loved by that energy. You are loved by the energy that you get from your faith in Jesus and God and Mary and Joseph and the angels. But you also acknowledge that it doesn't matter what source it is. You're almost saying to people out there, just make sure you're connecting, will you? You know? The book that I've mentioned so many times, I'm almost going to apologise to my listeners now because, oh, Bernie's mentioned courage to be disliked again, you know. But the courage to be disliked says... Do you have the courage to be that so real, so authentic, the essence of who you are, that other people will scarcely believe that it's real? They'll dislike you for it. But it's really just them saying, I can't handle someone who's putting a mirror in front of my face. Why is she so joyous? It must be pretend. Wow. Well, is it a wow? You tell me whether that resonates with you. You asked me the question. You answered my question. Did I? Yes. Do you think that is the experience? Absolutely. Because people are not ready to believe that somebody can be like this. Happy all the time, joyous. Come on, let's do it. Now or never. (laughs) It's now or never. You know, we do not know tomorrow we are going to wake up or not. Ah, now stop there, young lady, you see, because now you're hitting a a, a point of differentiation. And maybe this too has to do with the, the vulnerability of your Indian foundation where life can be here today, gone tomorrow, much more than in a white Caucasian environment possibly like Australia, although we're so multicultural now, 
right? I don't know what the life expectancy is in India, but I know it's 80, mid 80s here in a country like Australia. You've already had both parents taken away from you. And, and at 12 and 13 years of age, you had to take the responsibility of a missing parent to provide, to provide income and revenue into the household. Right? So death is known to you. Therefore, death might be seen as something that's more imminent to you. From Joel's state, I think it's episode number 12, that beautiful young man who had cancer and he was told that he had three months to live, but he lasted six years. And in those six years, he knew what life was in those six years before he got cancer. Because the Grim Reaper was tapping him on the shoulder every day saying, guess what, don't you take life for granted because I can take you any time. I've just got a little feeling that somehow that perspective of life is yours. Hey, excuse me, I'm supposed to be interviewing you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm loving this. (laughs) But how is this sounding to you? Is that you? It is me. Yeah. It is me. So you see life and death as one continuum. They're not, they're not separate. It's because you can see death as imminent that you live fully. Because everyone had parents growing up. Everyone had father coming to school. Yeah. Everyone had mum, you know. Tell, you you want to tell somebody what you've done. And when you, I was here in university, everyone had somebody to talk to, you know. And that emptiness, knowing that you can be gone tomorrow, losing my brother two years ago, when he was very close to me, he was my greatest cheerer. And he, he said to me, Rina, you never know what's next in your life. So you make a decision and do it now because you have the opportunity. You yeah. can go tomorrow like this. Yeah. You don't know what's happening tomorrow. So whatever you want to do, do it now. Yeah. Because people save the best of their life thinking that I'll do it after I retire. I'll do it, use this after I, for an occasion. No, the occasion is now. You wear the best clothes now. Oh, that's a line, isn't it? You wear the best clothes now. That's a line worthy of Chaucer. And it puts me in mind of another loaded question. And I want you to get ready. Okay, trigger warning, because this one's very loaded. Now, Rena's words just then, okay, they reminded me of some of my favorite episodes. We're talking about episode eight, we're talking about episode 25, we're talking about episode 28, okay, the Joel State Trilogy. What a man Joel was, this young bloke with terminal cancer who lived deeply, unequivocally, because death tapping him on the shoulder every day. Now, I almost hesitate to focus on this question because it's become such a cliche. How do we live each day like it's our last? How do we really carpe diem? You know, we've heard it all before. But for so many of us, myself included, it just doesn't sink in. So I think we need to reframe the question because the question isn't how do we live each day like it's our last? The question is how do we truly accept the fact, the fact that one day, all of us, we are going to die. I'm going to say that again. One day, all of us are going to die. So how do we accept that? How do we look our own mortality dead in the eye and not flinch, not look away, but say, hello, mate, there you are. Because I think that if we can do that, then the living will naturally follow. The living becomes the easy part. The work, the hard part, is acknowledging death, accepting death, and making ready for death. So I'm going to have a good, long, hard think about how I can do that. What do you reckon? You want to do the same? Now we're getting into some juice <laughs> because you've got to listen to the words 
these are the words that excite me and and maybe are a real fruit for our listeners. You just beautifully said it's because there is some recognition that life can be taken away from you. You know that. You, you, you know that from so many different sources that wear the best clothes now. You don't mean literally clothes. Be the best life now. Wake up each day. Know that you are alive. It can be taken away from you instantly. And I want you to pause before you answer this. What is love? I'm asking you, Rena Augustine, what is love? Um, can I explain in a different, different way? You go, whatever okay. is your answer yeah. is your answer. So love for parents, okay? Today yeah. when I think of one person or a, or a couple who will love me unconditionally is mom and dad. No matter I do, whatever I do, my mom believed in me. And she said that if people don't believe you, it's okay. I believe in you. In our culture, what happens is you, if we, well, I grew up like, it's, it's very weird for me to share this, but I'll share it. So I come to Australia, you know me, I can talk, make friends and all. So it was like 11 days in Australia and this couple, Korean girl, with an Italian guy, they were amazed with my talk and they uh, do host, for, no, hosting for different international students. They said, we have a barbecue. We would love to have you there. <laughs> they came to pick me up. So the couple, the, the family that I was staying with that time, Indian family, um, they s- saw me with this Italian guy coming home, picking me up, while, and the Korean lady, the, the partner, she gives my mom a call and says, oh, your daughter is going out with white people now. <laughs> and, oh, my God, Bernie, I will never forget this. I think that changed my life. My mom calls me and says, Rina, no matter what people think of you, I want you to do what you love. Wow. And I trust you, girl. <sighs> do not stop for anyone. Wow. You know what, Bernie? <laughs> That was the end of it. And I did not know this auntie actually called and told my mom. Yeah. And I'm like, why is mom saying this? And I loved it. I was like, wow, thank you. My sister later that day called me and said, this auntie said that, but we believe in you. You do whatever you want because we trust our daughter. Yeah. That is love. That your parents trusting you, your family believing in you. That is love. The second love is the love for a person, the, the, the eye-locking, the love at first sight. I do believe in that. <laughs> I do believe in love at first sight. When you look at somebody, you have that energy. There's something. That's yeah. something that talks about that person that you get attracted to. That doesn't happen with everyone. Mm. Um, and that, that's love. That's that's. You know, many people say, oh, that's attraction and fluctuation, but you never know. That is, you know, that energy, that yeah. love, that energy of looking at each other's eyes, that love. Love for your friend. I have a best friend. And she, when I have a problem, even if I've done something wrong, I know she will be there beside me, standing up for me, even if I'm wrong. That's like a parent. That's like you. That's the same belief. That's love. Yeah. And I have that strong, powerful yeah. friend. And that friend can be friend because she's confident in herself. Mm. That's why she's your friend. Because you don't get jealous or intimidated by my presence. Mm. You can see I'm a confident woman. Mm. Another confident woman can only be my friend. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Otherwise, that's true. yeah. That's, that is true. that's how this universe works. That's true. That's how you click. And I have that. That is love. Mm. That love, knowing that, you know, I have somebody to fall back. Mm. My love for Charlene, the lady who was my manager at this company I worked for, Gold Buyers. I still remember when I was going to my mom's funeral, she gave me this beautiful heart stone, uh, amethyst stone, and said, 
this is for your mom. I went and I put that in her grave. You know, this lady unconditionally loves me. And because of her love, I have survived in this beautiful country. I call her my Aussie mom. Mm -hmm. That's, she, she believes in me. Whenever I say I'm going somewhere, she said, yes, you do it. The only person I know in Australia is you who can do it, Rina, if I know it. Mm. That word is enough. That is love. Yeah. And that happens if you have love in yourself. If you love yourself, if you have full of love in your body, in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, it attracts people. Yeah. And you have to be genuine. You cannot act. Yeah. You have to be genuine. Yeah. Still recognizing that some people will be they will they will feel that it's it floods them and they can't handle the flood. That's right. <laughs> so their response is, oh that must be a pretense. But the the genuineness and the authenticness, it's too potent, too real, and uh It'll win through. It'll win through. Rena, we got to wind this up. <laughs> but as a final question, just respond to this. Given what you just shared, love is a lifestyle. Love is a way of viewing all things in life. That's a question. It is. Small, genuine gestures in your everyday life, no matter whom you meet, is love. Yeah. If you meet a stranger, you open the door for them, that is love. You do that? I do that. If you meet a stranger, you give way, that is love. That is energy. We are really not strangers. That's a game that I played last week in Bali when I was there with my friends and uh, the friends, friends, acquaintances, strangers. And everyone had to tell, what do you think of this person whom you first meet? There were six of us. Five of them said to me, Rina, your smile and your genuineness, you know, that's what we noticed. And I was thinking, isn't that should be a norm everybody when you see a person we should see that they are genuine genuineness is love you recognize it you feel it you know it and that's you know some people say oh i can open up with you but i can't open up with this person you can open up with the genuine person because you know your secret is over there you know that that person will hold that secret all your life because they're not going to use it against you. Yeah. You know, the jealousy, the revenge, those all words are alien to me. I will never follow that because that's how I grew up. Yeah. My sister Angela, my father, Charlene, we, we never spoke about jealousy. We never spoke about rejection. We never spoke about revenge because that's not a part of us. Yeah. People feel rejected. Example, if a guy asks a girl to go out and they feel rejected. It's okay. It's either a yes or a no. <laughs> you have to make your mindset ready. Yeah. That if it's a no, it's fine. Yeah. We have to make peace with that. It's all right. There's no revenge here. Yeah. Yes, everybody feels rejected. But if you are content and you love yourself and you know who you are, that rejection you will not feel, not feel the same. Now we're getting places. You know? That's beautiful. Are you happy with yourself? Are you happy with how you look? How are you happy with what you eat and put it in your body? Are you happy? Because you remember, everybody else is going to leave you, but your body is going to stay with you for 80, 90, 100 years. Yeah. Are you feeding it the right thing? Yeah. Not only food, thoughts. Yeah. Are you feeding the right thoughts? You know, mm. that is love. If mm. you love yourself, if you feel that you're doing the right thing, you attract right people. Mm. Rena, the last 10 minutes of this podcast 
is pure gold. I'm sorry, listeners, that's a Bernie interpretation. <laughs> Please don't listen to any Bernie interpretation because we're just like anybody, just interpreting. But in my opinion, pure gold, pure gold. And this, my dear listeners, this is from a young lady in Western India who came out here when she was early 20s, came out here as an independent woman seeking to finish some studies and immediately because of her joyful approach to life embraced everything that the people of Australia and this country has given to her. And now... She is building this country, this country, a multicultural, a multinationalism country. And Rena Augustine, she is helping us build it, build it. Rena, thank you. Thank you, Bernie. <laughs> thank you so much for giving me the opportunity, journey with Bernie, to share my gratitude towards Australia and Australians. I'm very grateful for all the opportunities. And you know what? I will not let you guys down. Well, Australia is grateful to having Rena Augustine Cute. in this country. And thank you, dear people. Thank you for listening. You've all been listening to on yet another wonderful, different episode of A... I'm waiting for Rena, but she's not joining me, folks. A... Journey, Journey with, with Bernie. Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to you people. Bye for now. Love you all. Well, good people, what did you think of that episode? I don't know about you, but I just loved it. I just love hearing of people's journeys and their stories that allow us to be able to identify what strategies and actions, routines, disciplines, ways of seeing self in the world that we can consider so that you and I, through their story, can become a more loving human being. Now, glued to this particular episode, of course, is Chipster Lachlan Huddy. And our editor and producer is now going to deliver Chip's take-home pay, a four-minute summary of the actions and the strategies that you and I might consider in order to become that more loving human being. Hey, over to you, Chipster. Thank you very much, Bern. And yes, I have been a bit glued to this episode because straight up, Rena's an inspiring lady, man. I mean, you can hear it in every syllable she utters, this uh, indefatigable zest for life. But here's what she said that struck me the hardest, and we're going to linger on this one, guys, because this is juicy stuff. Rena's definition of love. Or one of her definitions of love, anyway. She was uh, pretty comprehensive in her answer of Bernie's favorite question. But my favorite answer was, love is trust. Remember she was talking about how her mum trusted her when she was a child and that was love to her? And I think that's just brilliant. It's so simple yet so spot on because it's the first rule of any relationship, isn't it? Trust. Without trust, there is no relationship. Without trust, there can be no love. I mean, is it a cliche? Sure. But cliches are just sayings people have heard too often because they're too damn true. Now, another cliche we hear pretty often in this self-development space of ours is that before you can love others, you must first love yourself. Well, Rena is a sparkling example of this. She's bringing the love in spades with her fashion show, with her migration consultancy, with her Instagram. Her Instagram's delightful, by the way. You should definitely check out her Instagram. Um, and the reason she can do all these things for other people and be effective in doing them is because she trusts herself. She can bring that love to others every day because every day she's bringing it to herself. So how do we get some of that? How do we learn to trust ourselves the way Rena trusts herself? I reckon we can keep this stupidly simple today, guys. This is a two-stepper because here's the thing. Building trust with yourself should be no different than building it with someone else. So what do we do when we're trying to build trust with someone, when we're trying to build a relationship with someone? Okay, first, we get to know them. 
we learn their values. Second, we show up for them in ways that demonstrate we share their values. And then we just keep on doing it. And I really think it's as simple as that. Learn your values, live your values relentlessly. If you do that, you'll trust yourself implicitly. And what is love? Love is trust. But maybe we're still in some mental flux. Maybe we're not quite sure of our values yet. Maybe we don't quite know ourselves yet. So how do we get there? few ways, and we bang this drum a lot, but it's a good drum to bang, meditation. Meditation will put you in command of your attention, and to be in command of your attention is to be in command of your own mind, and there is no better way to get to know your own mind than that. Now, what we haven't mentioned on this podcast before is the Waking Up app from Sam Harris. Now, this is a paid app, but it is magnificently worth it. Sam Harris is, to my mind, one of our greatest thinkers, and the meditation course he includes in the Waking Up app is second to none. Highly recommended. So if you're really interested in supercharging your progress, if you don't mind spending a few bucks, the Waking Up app is absolutely worth a look and worth a few of your coins. Uh, journaling is another great way to get in touch with yourself. Uh, a lot of people I speak to swear by writing in a physical book in longhand. Uh, there's something about the forced slowing down of the writing itself seems to crystallize, clarify ideas. Treat yourself, I say. Buy a lovely notebook, you know, buy a swanky pen. Get writing. It doesn't matter if you're not a writer. Think of it as taking down dictation from your soul. Now, once you've gotten to know your values, now it's time to turn insight into action. A real quick example for all you beautiful people, because I know you'll get sick of me banging on about Nepal soon, but I highly value resilience, physical resilience, mental resilience. To me, it's all part of the same system. And there are few things that put your resilience to the test, like eight days trekking up a mountain, your legs getting tireder, the air getting thinner and colder, the, uh, shall we say, facilities getting more and more basic. But we did it all, and we did it with smiles on our faces, and damned if I didn't get some truly sensational video while we were at it. And I will tell you this, friends and neighbors, I came back from that trek with a deeply satisfying, deeply fortifying sense of my own capability, a deep trust in myself. And say it with me one more time, folks. What is love? Love is trust. All right, that's all from me, beautiful people. I'm Chip Huddy. This has been Chip's Take Home Pay, and I do hope you found some pay worth taking home. As always, my friends, Auf Wiedersehen. Ah, uh, that was gold here, people. That was Lachlan Huddy and Chip's take-home pay. Simple strategies, aren't they? Just humble suggestions taken specifically from this episode. And you know and I know that if we implement them into our lives, it's just going to help us to be happier, a more beautiful human being and a more loving one at that. And who doesn't want that happening in their lives? Oh, dear people, I do hope this episode of A Journey with Bernie had a positive impact upon you. I can't wait to deliver the next one. Hey, it's just around the corner. Please enjoy this journey of life. Embrace this journey. And in the meantime, dear people, just remember this. Remember this.